It's 2022, which marks 40 years since the release of Madonna's very first single, Everybody, in 1982. Last August, it was announced that her albums would be re-released with new versions curated by Madonna herself. What does that mean? Well, here on Inside the Groove, we're working through each of her albums one by one to tell the story of how they were recorded, written and produced, along with the iconic photography and graphic design. American Life is the ninth studio album from Madonna, released 21st April 2003. Coming 20 years in, it's surprisingly the first album in the singer's career to be co-produced by only one other producer, Mirwais Amadzai, who had produced the majority of songs on Madonna's previous album, Music. It reached number one in a host of countries including Australia, Canada, France, Germany, UK and US. Heralded by the Bond theme song Die Another Day at the end of 2002, the first proper single from the album was the title track, which had been released a month earlier. Unfortunately, a controversial video brought death threats to Madonna's children, which saw her remove it from circulation. Facing a backlash from some areas, and perhaps some snickering from others about the song's ironic rap, the album failed to match the sales of her previous records, though worldwide sales of 5 million really ain't bad. But despite this, the album was warmly received by fans and in recent years has been reappraised by critics as one of the singer's best and most cohesive projects with a production style that has hardly dated in the past 19 years. I'll be talking to industry experts about the cover artwork and graphic design and I'll be pouring the spotlight on a number of unreleased songs from the album which we might expect to hear on a re-release. I'll also be playing studio segments including Madonna's vocals from one of her forgotten singles, the final one from the LP, Love Profusion. So for now, sit back, relax, you make me shine, you make me feel inside the groove. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so excited to have reached this album in our run-through of all of Madonna's LP releases. It's an absolute favourite of mine. For many reasons, I just think there are so many brilliant songs. It feels like it feels like really Madonna, you know, sonically, lyrically, everything feels like we're getting the real Madonna here, to an extent. And of course, it was just a brilliant time in pop music. You had Beyonce with Crazy in Love in 2003 and Hey Ya by Outkast. And of course, all of the fantastic singles from this album, along with the duet with Britney, Me Against Music. Just a great time to be a fan. And it's a real shame that something just didn't resonate. I've talked before how that perhaps if a different single other than American Life had led the album, it could have had a different outcome. Who knows? And Madonna is of no regrets, so maybe we should have none either. But it's always fun to talk about these things. It's sad, however, when fans don't connect. And I do remember at the time there was a really brilliant website called the Singapore Madonna webpage or fan page, something like that. I can't remember. And it had been running for a few years. But the person that ran it closed down their website when this album came out, saying that they didn't like Madonna's direction and they were disappointed that her previous tour hadn't reached Singapore. And that was a real shame. But then you think onwards because Madonna's career is so long that she's connected with new people all the time. 
Right now, Material Girl is doing so well on TikTok. Uh, it's had its highest day in streaming ever recently. Uh, and you just know it's connecting with the youth. And when they come back and rediscover Madonna's back catalogue, when they get to American Life, they're going to be in for such a treat. So many brilliant songs. Nothing Fails, I'm So Stupid, Mother and Father, Love Profusion, as you've just heard. And of course, Nobody Knows Me. This is a song that it took me a while to like, but I absolutely love it now. And a song I really connect with is is Easy Ride. I really connect with the lyrics in that. I feel they reflect what I want to say. And this is what we love about Madonna, is that she makes music that we can identify with or aspire to be like. Anyway, I'm ranting. I just <laughs> want to talk about how much I love this album. But I have got Lucy O'Brien with me. Lucy is the author of Like an Icon, the Madonna biography, which if you're a Madonna fan, you have to read it. It's such a great read. Um, Lucy, I have to talk to you about this album. It's kind of, um, you know, as I said, didn't didn't reach what it should have done at the time, but I think things have, have changed in its perception um, in recent years. It's had a bit of a renaissance in recent years. I think people have been rediscovering it and rediscovering tracks on it. And for instance, I... I really like Hollywood, you know, I think that's kind of, that's that's the Madonna we know and love, cruising down Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. singing with it, you know, <laughs> the top of the car open. But there's also a sense of, I like the questioning that runs through it, and there's a sense of disruption, of alienation. It's not an easy album, it's not an easy album to like. But it works really well. And I actually think you have to take those three albums together because I think they're almost like a trilogy. Yeah. You know, if we, if we start with Ray of Light and then we have music and then American Life, there's something about those three together that really works so well in terms of her exploration of thinking about fame, thinking about family, thinking about motherhood, spirituality. They're all interweaving themes on, on each of those albums. And the title track, American Life, I think Madonna was being ironic, as she often is, but some people didn't get it, did they? They saw, how old was she? 45-year-old uh, mother rapping, yeah. and they. I think this was an opportunity for some people to poke fun at her. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure she quite pulled that off, you know, because I remember having small children at the time and then to have someone singing, well, I've got a jet pilot, I've got a private Pilates teacher and three nannies. I thought, well, that's, that's very nice for you. You know, those <laughs> struggling with nappies with two small ones. Yeah, you, there was a jar with that. I and mean, I think what her heart was in the right place and she was definitely outraged with the bush government mm-hmm. and the whole um, Iraq war and what was going on there and want to express that and really explore that. But it, it's kind of hard, isn't it, when you're a multi-million dollar earning celebrity singing about, you know, struggle. Yeah, it's not always easy to take. So some of the other songs on that album that are more kind of personal work better, I think, like Easy Ride and like Hollywood as well. It's possible, though we can't be certain, that Madonna and Mia Weiss had recorded together before or during the Drown World Tour. It's certainly a believable rumour that 2001's GHV2 album almost included a new track called Hollywood. But Madonna didn't begin work on American Life properly until 2002, after her Drown World Tour and after filming the movie Swept Away with her husband Guy Ritchie. 
As I said in the intro, this was the first time Madonna had co-produced the album with a single producer. Her first album, Madonna, was produced entirely by Reggie Lucas and her second by Nile Rodgers, but all subsequent LPs had included Madonna as a co-producer, along with a variety of others. And this had long been a problem with her, with a need to make each project feel cohesive and homogenous. Indeed, the change in direction midway through recording music, along with the almost enforced inclusion of American Pie, was something Madonna was keen to avoid. She really wanted a minimalistic approach to the recording, both in terms of personnel and sound. And having been given a guitar by her husband for her 42nd birthday, Madonna had been playing with ideas and would occasionally come up with chord progressions that Mia Waste developed further. This is particularly apparent on some of the songs which never made the final cut for the album, which we might, who knows, hope to hear on a future re-release. Take this song called The Game. Here's another unreleased track called Set the Right. Don't push me to the left, don't push me to the right. I don't want to have to fight because I know that justice is coming right. Gather up your hopes, gather up your dreams. Just to stay alive is harder than it seems. I lay awake at night. Personally, I like that a lot, but I don't think it's quite as good as anything that ended up on the album. But one standout track is, of course, the song Nothing Fails, which paired Madonna and Mia Waste with the London Choir for one of her most beautiful songs ever. Can you imagine how different things would have been if that had been the lead single? Makes me wanna The song was originally written by Guy Sigsworth, who had been responsible for the track What It Feels Like For A Girl on the music album. Teaming up again with Jem Griffiths, they presented Madonna with a demo of the song, which was at this time called Silly Thing. There are some lyrical differences in Madonna's version, earning her a writing credit, and there's some melodic improvements which only demonstrate what a proficient songwriter Madonna is. And whilst her version is far superior, it's really interesting to hear Guy and Jem's original from which great things grew. Recording on the album paused when Madonna was in the West End play Up for Grabs, resuming at Olympic Studios and Sun West in London for the final sessions. Madonna then returned to the US to present her record to Maverick. It would be her final album for the label. And with newly dyed brown hair, she then did the Che Guevara-inspired album shoot. I'm joined now once again by fashion photographer Jonathan Daniel Price, an art director and 
graphic designer extraordinaire, um, amazing person extraordinaire, really, Peter Falloon. Um, guys, I want you to tell me all about um, the shoot and the really interesting graphic design work that was done on this album. Jonathan, starting with you first, the, those, those fantastic photos. Well, this is an interesting one because, of course, for the artwork, it is actually so based on graphics. The photography is the basis, but it's developed so highly in the art direction. But if we are just going to focus on the photography, the photographer was Craig McDean, who's a British photographer based in the States. And this was Madonna continuing her run of working with fashion photographers. If you're not interested in fashion or photography, it is highly likely you will still have seen his work. From this time to today, he's shot huge advertising campaigns for brands like Calvin Klein and McQueen, and he shoots a lot for magazines too, so ID and interview. And I think listeners might recognize his work most recently for the British Bogue cover shoot in June of 2021, where Craig shot Billie Eilish. And this is her as a pop star transforming her image. You know, she had this blonde, soft, wavy hair using a sort of Hollywood aesthetic that Madonna obviously gravitates towards often in her, in her looks. And, and I think this stark shift in image could potentially be likened to what Madonna did with American life. Thought that would be a seamless segue <laughs> here. So Craig shot Madonna only a few months before the shoot for American life. So they had worked together previously. They shot the cover of the October, 2002 Vanity Fair, a shoot magazine. And that is where Madonna looks a bit like a 1940s army style pinup sort of. And at that time, Craig was producing loads of very interesting work in the early 2000s. So Madonna asked him to work with her on this upcoming album campaign. It was shot across a few sessions. Firstly, it was a photo shoot, which was done in a studio shot on medium format film with a Hasselblad. If there's any gear heads listening, these setups were all in a studio, as I said, with the graphic printed background, they used some with the American flag, a lot of monochrome imagery, and they became the basis of what was used in the album artwork. They obviously ends up getting transformed with graphic design. There was a few setups there, some with the beret that we sort of know these images, her with messy hair. She used a lot of camouflage, cargo pants. So styling was really key here to get the imagery to look the way the album campaign was wanted to communicate. You know, I love these photos. She looks quite athletic and poised. Uh, I think this setup that I'm specifically talking about is probably the most fashion looking of the whole, the whole series of images. And I'm just looking at my notes, apologies. This was also when they shot the, the video part of what ended up being the actual video that was shown as the secondary video where she's doing the lip sync to camera and we have all the flags in the background. So this was shot in the same setup and, uh, and around the same time. Then there was the second setup, which also had a lot of images taken in during the video shoot, which as you will say is, is directed by Jonas Ackerland, who'd obviously done Ray of Light. And if you look at the original video and then the photography, you can really see how these connected. So there's a lot of shots of her in the toilets, in that back corridor before the fashion show quite a few simple headshots with her in the military garb. And I'm not sure what the decision-making was for not including this in the album artwork, but none of these were used in the final product. They ended up being used in uh, the press shots. So I feel like looking at these images, it's clear that we now have serious Madonna. You know, of course, 
she is known that when she goes brunette, she is the, wanted to give a message of serious artistry. And more than just this, though, it really comes through in the images through the, the strength of, of physicality, the angular poses in these photographs, which end up being used also as part of the typography, which, of course, Peter will discuss. And it's quite, you know, warrior-like, the set of images. I think, you know, in terms of a visual representation of what the album is meant to be saying lyrically and concept-wise, it fits very closely. You know, Madonna is saying here through images that she's rebelling against the culture of the time. She's trying to shine a light on the modern values that she's seeing as kind of hollow. And of course, in interviews around the time, she really goes into that with quite a lot of depth. And, you know, in my view, the photo shoot that goes with it does achieve her goal of trying to communicate that. I guess a sort of premature further reading, I would say, and I just have to put it in now because so many of the images that weren't in the album artwork were used in this is the Q magazine photo shoot. It was the April 2003 issue, if anyone wants to look it up. And she did very little press, actually really selective press at that time. So you get a real sense of the intention behind the campaign if you look up those photos. And and yeah, I, I think it really is a strong communication. So a lot of people, Peter, consider American Life to be a concept album. And what Jonathan talks about how Madonna had certain things she wanted to get off her chest, how that's reflected in the photos, kind of leads away towards that. I personally don't see it as a concept album because I think if you look at proper concept albums, they're much more involved than having something with um, a selection of themes. But I do think that the graphic design, um, and particularly the typography, and particularly using Madonna to form words, is probably adding weight to this whole concept. I think it was the first time that we'd heard her use Freedom Fighter. And I think that tied in very much. But I think we need to remember the political climate. Music had been made under a different president. By the time we got round to American life, I think Madonna was quite despondent with her home country. And I think she graphically handled that because she didn't particularly want to put an image to it. So I think it was really clever. She's played on the whole Che Guevara image as the ultimate freedom fighter. So it's got that connection and that anger and that attitude behind it. But I think it was also the dawn of what I would call the Madonna graphic distraction. So we don't get a photograph of Madonna on the cover unmanipulated from now until Madame X, the last portrait that you would class as a beautiful portrait shot was music. And the thing that I really the graphic design geek in me that sees the sort of parallels. It's almost like the Americana and the nostalgia that she loved on music has now all fallen apart and turned to black. So you can still see the stars and the emblems of America, but they're torn and they're ripped and it's all disjointed. And it, it's in what I do, it's known as mixed media. So as Jonathan said, you start with an image, you manipulate it, you play with it. They've used like a technique called bit mapping, which is what you do to create like a Lichtenstein effect. So it looks very pop art, but one eye's been a bit mapped. The other one is still portraiture. And then I think they've paired it back. They haven't gone for the star on the beret to make it too shake of art, but the two red stripes, I just think are enough of a graphic anchor to say, this is somebody, it's a militia. It's somebody with uh, uh, something to say. And I think. It, as an album artwork, all of my favorite ones, <laughs> obviously for Jonathan, it's different. All of my favorite ones are the graphic design ones. So American Life, A Celebration are two of my favorites because it's, it, it, it's 
creating a woman that doesn't really exist, but it's pulling on all of these things that we know of her. And the American Life one, I just think it's a great piece of graphic design. And I had a similar story to Jonathan. I was working as a junior at BBC and we were having a discussion about the best album artwork of the year. Yeah, everyone was laughing at Madonna and her, her latte and her body and all of that. So yeah, the rap was going down really well. But I put myself forward and said, I thought this was the album cover of the year. I was just humiliated and laughed at because it, it, she was up for being ridiculed then. I don't know why. So I've always loved it for its graphic design intention. And I think it's such a simple uh, piece of artwork, but it really does convey that freedom fighter attitude. So I have always loved it for a graphic design point of view. It's really interesting. You you talked about something that we'd been chatting about before um, we started recording where Jonathan said that he was, felt a bit ridiculed at school for liking the song because people were laughing at the rap. I was working at Top of the Pops at the time and very much a Madonna fan and had the Madonna Rama website. Uh, she'd succeeded so much with Ray of Light. It had been a huge success and they maintained that and took it even further with music. It was almost natural that the there was going to be a fall and this is what the press do not just the british press but generally people do that when somebody's right at the top they knock them down and we've discussed previously and in private conversations that she kind of pegged that by putting american life out as the lead single a great song in many respects but that rap which is fun and clever and poetic and rhythmic is also very difficult for a 45 year old mother of two to portray even madonna couldn't pull it off when you combine that with the the kickback to her political stance particularly in america and she wasn't the only one that was suffering from speaking out against the the activities in iraq she you know that that really sort of put her in a position where she was no longer the cool madonna that she'd been for a few years and i know people will be listening to this podcast going what do you want about madonna's always cool and she always will be cool well I was there, you were there, you were there, Jonathan. We remember what it was like. It was a moment where she kind of lost it slightly. Fortunately, the album's really good. Fortunately, of course, Confessions brought it back in some respect. And it's really interesting that you were able to see that in the graphic design, or rather that you, you, you saw what she was trying to do and you felt it was a shame that it was missed. I think, well, oh, do you want to carry on? Um, go back to the BBC thing, something that I know that it was a graphic design success was I was in the promo and design department and AbFab were having their series five titles redone. I managed to get that on a mood board. And if you look <laughs> at the AbFab titles that actually went forwards, it's very, very much informed by the Madonna look. So yeah, it, it wouldn't have been as cool to have loved her, but I know that her influence it found its way onto graphics on mood boards across across the country. Yeah, I mean, everything that Madonna does is popular um, in some respect and gets seen and, and you know, whatever we can say about the rap and how it was received and how the single was received, people, you know, everything she does falls into popular culture, doesn't it? So this is a good example of that. Let's talk about the, the music itself, actually, before we go anywhere else, because, you know, I love this album. I really, really love it. And I'm glad that it's kind of had a bit of a renaissance in recent years. Jonathan, what are your thoughts on the music? I love this record. I, I loved it as soon as it came out. I was sort of reaching a peak of adoring Madonna visuals and music at this time. And, um, I remember there was a billboard near my, the house that I, I lived in of Madonna at the time. And I had the Che Guevara poster in my bedroom at the time. So, so the two together pairing is just stimulate so much in my brain. Specifically about the music though. 
you know, I was 15, so I was really starting to look at different genre and trying to discover lots of new music. And at that time I was going to fault buying all these old CDs that were now much cheaper to buy. And punk was a genre that I was looking at, I'd never heard before. And as much as it might sound ridiculous to like in American life to punk music, I feel like there are, there is synergy, you know, the simple chords, sort of the shortness of the songs that sort of direct messaging. So one of my favorite tracks on the record is I'm so stupid. And I feel like that has a kind of maybe stooges or sort of feeling, you know, she's, she's angry and she's trying to sort of grapple with something in the song. Love that. And then loved also the way it was, um, re-engineered on the tour, hearing the different baselines, stuff like that. And then also generally about this record, there's a few songs, which I think due to the single choices, the core element of this album, which is, is maybe the softer side. So that's like a nothing fails, ecstatic process, easy ride kind of feeling her lyrical, uh, softness, the acoustic feeling, the really personal elements are kind of lost because the messaging is so strongly about maybe the war or, uh, American life as a lead single. And so for me, those songs that I just mentioned, I really love. And what I also love about them is the public consensus of Madonna or the media interpretation is who is this person? We don't even know who that she really is. And I think this is evidence that we do see who she really is. We really see it very clearly in her records and lyrically, musically, it's plain to see what's going on in her life at that time and who she is. She really does wear her heart upon her sleeve in this album. I mean, people talk about Like a Prayer being the one where she sort of pulled on her own experiences, but I think American Life is the one where you, you really get everything about her, even, even songs like Intervention, which are very much about Rocco, etc., and and her uh, relationship with him. Peter, what are your thoughts on this album? I don't think I was prepared for it, but then on first listens, I just absolutely loved it because I, I love Don't Tell Me. So out, out of the previous album, that was my standout song that I just could not stop playing. And to then get an extension of that, that felt different. I also feel as if it did perfectly fit into the musical space at the time. So it was quite folky and female led and. I always felt that as an album with American Life chopped off the front, it could have been a very different thing. So I think people were missold what they were going to hear. So American Life as a single is very brash and shouty and bombastic, but the rest of the album is really like Hollywood is just clever. Mm. All the looking at surgery and the, the wanting to be a star, but she's in a position to talk about that it's not as great as you think it is. The things that you have to go through, the stuff that you have to do. My two favorites, are, um, Nothing Fails and Intervention. And to me, that would have been a dual A-side lead single and just go with it. I love the um, London Choir. It gives me goosebumps. It takes mm. me back to sort of the like a prayer moment that you always want. But yeah, those two songs, I can go back to them and just lose myself in them. And I think the thing that, sort of ties it together again back with the protest they always struck me as more sort of the softer 60s style hippie protest so i i could see the sort of correlation between where her head was at that there was a movement and the people who stood stood up and did the guitar performance that felt very to me as if it was an extension of this like movement of wanting to do wanting to do good but mm -hmm. i think it, it it overpunched, so it 
it, the lead single didn't sell the album that we were going to get, but the album that we got is so much better than I expected because of the lead single. So yeah, I do go back to this album over and over again, just because it's, it's, I find it's always one, isn't that? Um, I don't ever like hearing her moan about being famous and nobody <laughs> knows me just great. So it's the one that I, I think it's lazy production wise and doesn't tell a new story. Whereas all the others are just so, I've never heard her talk about these things before, sing about these things before. So that was the only one that I was like, oh, I kind of feel we've heard this before. But as, as an album, the way that it all hangs together, I love it. And I bloody love the fact that it ends with Die Another Day. <laughs> I didn't like Nobody Knows Me at first. And I didn't get it until she did it live on the reinvention tour. And I don't know why, because it's not massively different, but it really comes alive on that tour. And I don't know if it's the performance. I think it's also some the stuff that's done to the production um, of the song as well. It, it, it's brilliant. I really don't like Die Another Day. That's the one that I don't like. It just feels like a bland repeat of music to me. But, it's weird, uh, isn't it? I, I, I love the, I, I, as a Bond theme tune, I think she bloody nailed it in terms of, I heard Madonna, but I also heard Bond. And it, 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 I love a, an Adele Skyfall or a great big ballad, but it was the first time that I'd heard that David Arnold remixy feel but in the actual song and that, that for me was, I was quite excited about what might come with American life. So the single sort of threw me, but then we were back on track with what I was expecting in the rest of the album. But yeah, I've, I've always loved it. <laughs> so let's talk about the single artwork because obviously the second single was, well, so let's talk about the single artwork because obviously American life was very similar to the album cover. Yeah. Um, that sort of felt like a bit of a mistake. Cause I did even, even as an objective fan, like holding them up, they're like, oh, is it this, I have to go and check. Am I buying the same thing twice? And it is such a strong image and it's just a slightly wider version. So you, you're getting more of a torso and a, a little bit more of the flag. It, the, you can then tell when it was handled by someone else and it got thrown into just mass production because somebody thought it was a great idea to put the red camouflage or the blue camouflage the two cd releases and it all starts to get a bit hampered and a bit messy and I, i've never been a fan of the off the peg typeface that they ended up using so they did have the beautiful typeface that she created out of her body forms and the rifles and things and that was really only ever used as album artwork but then when you got to the american life singles it was that sort of quite nasty it, it's a default font. It's, it's not a pleasant thing to work with. And I, th I think on the album cover, it may even have been an afterthought because there we again had a non-blonde Madonna with a very strong graphic image and someone went, oh shit, we've not put a name on it. So let's just bang it on. And then that sort of, it was inherited on all of the singles. So yeah, I hate the red and the blue that were brought in as the camouflage but the actual technique and the, the artistry behind it, it was a company called Eminem Paris who did the lead artwork and they're so cool that they don't even have a website. They've just got an Instagram account. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I was waiting for you to mention Eminem actually, because obviously they did the art direction for the album and I really love the art direction. I mean, like, even though photography obviously is my main interest, opening it up and seeing how they cut up and made the lettering, I just 
yeah. devoured it as a teenager. I absolutely loved it. And they didn't try and hide it. I love the fact you can see the tape and the photocopy and mm. it. It, it was in that era where you might have tried to be a bit too polished and that I think they've done a really nice job of just keeping the texture and the feel of it. Well, let's talk about Hollywood because that video, uh, the Jean-Baptiste Mandina video is so stunning and there's so many wonderful images they could use. And then I think it is an image from the video. Jonathan, maybe you know that they've used, but it's manipulated and just not as good as it could be. So this isn't an image from the video, although I think I can see at first glance, it looks like it could be. So... <laughs> It's actually my second further reading suggestion because it's worth looking up this full shoot. It was for W Magazine, shot by Stephen Klein, and they ended up also being produced as a book called Ecstatic Process. The images were also used in the Reinvention Tour book, and this series shows Madonna in a number of different outfits is when she's sort of using this religious iconography again. She does a lot of yoga poses. She's back to blonde. So it, it does kind of suit the Hollywood era where she, she goes back to blonde very quickly. And I love the whole shoot. I mean, it's beautifully, exquisitely done. It's sort of a personal project of Stephen Klein's, it seems, even though, of course, it was used in as a fashion shoot in W. But it's sort of, I feel, where we see Madonna's understanding of art and of course, we know she collects art. In my interpretation, it's the first time as a public we really see her deep understanding of, of the art world is in Bedtime Stories music video. And to me, this is a sort of extension of that, her understanding of different areas of the fine art world and how to bring in and pull these references into sort of her own visual world. So that's another one to, to look up. And then that ends up getting used as a single cover for Hollywood and then reinterpreted, like you said, with all this layered graphics. Yeah, what do you think of those graphics on the Hollywood single, uh, Peter? I don't, it's a filter. Um, we know that Madonna loves a filter. <laughs> um, well, 2020 Madonna does. Um, it, it's called Pixelate. You just turn it on in Photoshop and it, I, I, I don't even know why it's necessary. There were so many themes within the Hollywood video and it, it does feel very much like this is a shoot that Madonna's just done where she looks a little bit like she does in the Hollywood video. So let's bang it on the cover. I, the, the type bothers me as well because it's, it's not beautiful. It's not Hollywood. It's not glamorous. It doesn't fit into any of the freedom fighter stuff that we'd seen previously. It's, I, I remember the billboards with it everywhere. I think they went harder on this single, tried to present it as more of a pop song, which off the whole album, I think it is the one to me that is a Madonna song that you'd be familiar with and see. So I think they tried to make it as soft and as poppy and as maybe crowd pleasing as possible, but I, it, it doesn't fit with the theme of the album and it doesn't really do justice to Hollywood as an ethereal place, which the video does an amazing job of. So mm. yeah, it's sort of, I, I, again, I think it's that thing where it's gone back in house. They've just had to pull together what they had. They don't have the, the grown-up support anymore of Eminem. So, yeah, it, it's a lovely image, but it would be a lot better without the filter. <laughs> During this time period, I was collecting her singles, and despite loving the album, I actually didn't buy any of the singles because I didn't like the artwork as a 15-year-old. As a and I remember thinking at the time, seeing these images in the magazine and thinking how beautiful they were as photographs and thinking they were trying to appeal to my age group, thinking... Why are they trying to make this seem like cool and young when it could just stand alone as this beautiful product? It felt tryhards to me. Yeah, it does. It, it, it's such a shame because it's such a, a, back then, 
the album or single artwork was such a big bit of people engaging or, or buying because it was a physical product that you're going to like actually own. And yeah, I, you'd gone from two very strong graphic design pieces to then this, it's not a great photo and it's not great graphic design. You've just mashed the two together in a, a very unfortunate way. Okay. So after Hollywood, um, a bit of a mix up because you get Me Against the Music is released, but also Nothing Fails is released in Europe. But the next proper single is Love Profusion. Peter, that's quite an unusual cover for Madonna, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, a, a imageless. So we, we, it's one of the only ones where there's no picture of Madonna on the cover. So again, for an album that was struggling, it was quite a brave decision to not have a blonde soft as she looked in the video. Mm. Um, there was a connection weirdly to the video because there was the, the blue water and the very lurid flowers. But I, I don't know if enough people would make that connection. The, there was a crossover with Estee Lauder the, so the video was a dual facing shoot where a model came in and did the Madonna part. And that became an Estee Lauder TV commercial with Madonna's music behind it. And then there was the Madonna version where she was the role of the model. They just dropped the CGU behind her. So it was a weird time creatively. I don't feel as if anybody properly had their hands on the steering wheel. So I think the design team did a good job of showing an aesthetic that was in the video, but very strange at that point to, to have missed her off the cover. So she, she was back to sort of the shorter blonde and softer looking, and she was more in the vein of what, what, what we would recognize. And so to just have this very ethereal blue ocean image with these flowers, it, it was a very strange choice. I think, I think this whole period was very strange because I think Madonna had delivered an incredible album, but when everything fell apart with the video in the US, I think the entire campaign just sort of slightly derailed and it feels like they were always struggling to bring it back. And then at some point Madonna was like, well, I'm touring now. That's what I care about. And that's my focus. And so, so it's not a very cohesive campaign after two really solid, really cohesive campaigns in Ray of Light and music. You know, things were, were slightly falling apart. Nonetheless, there are some fantastic photos from this period. Jonathan, you've given us your further reading, but Peter, have you got any for us to look at on American Life? Uh, yeah, I, I would say my favorite thing is always a Madonna add-on, a, a bonus extra. So um, at the end of this very strange campaign, she managed to pull it all back together and we got remixed and revisited. And as a piece of artwork, it's really weird, but it's got some great graphic design in it. We sort of go back to Austin Powers music, floral um, design, and it, it, it feels very fresh. She's not in the middle of the cover, so it's a weird photo that's made up of lots of bits from the shoot with the Gap commercial and Missy Elliott. So it's an, an unusual thing, but it folds out in, it's like a gatefold and falls out into three. And one side is this really weird triptych photo with these two little aliens that make it onto the cover and then two guys carrying some bits of scenery. It's really un-Madonna. It's very just whimsical and weird. And <laughs> then the typography again, it's, it's out of place. It's a font called Cooper plate black and it's, it's, it, it doesn't belong in the Madonna world at all, but who, whoever's handled it has done a really good job on it. And I think again, it's back in house at Maverick, but. To me, it was a really nice punctuation to the end of the album that had been weird and things hadn't quite worked. But then this great collection of 
weirdities and rarities pulled together in this way and like given a bit of polish and a bit of graphic design it, it sort of finished off era really well the other bit picks up on um what jonathan talked about earlier there's some great behind the scenes clips one of the art director's websites of all of the photo shoot and you can see what jonathan was talking about the interaction between where they shot the stuff in the toilet but then also did the photo shoot and you can see that it really was like an amazing collection of sets and she was just moving around it and yeah, it's just really quite enjoyable to see some uh, a photographer at work and Madonna doing the not performance bit, actually being able to see her be someone's muse and being directed. So I'll, I'll post that as well. Guys, thank you so much as ever for your insight. And it's great to just talk about Madonna, isn't it? And and talk about the, the music uh, uh, as well. I'll be getting you back soon to talk about Confessions. Um, what a great album that is as well. To all the listeners out there, well, I really want to talk about the song Love Profusion because it was a surprise uh, when this was released as a single. And as Peter talked about, um, you know, that that whole campaign was slightly confused with the Estee Lauder advert as well. But it's a really strong song. Um, it wasn't my first choice for a single, um, but it was one that I was certainly pleased with. And when the multitrack leaked a few years ago, it was fascinating to be able to listen to all those elements bit by bit. I'm going to play them for you now. So here are the, the drums on their own. And a bit of the guitar. Here's the bass line. some strings and of course we hear Mirwais's own vocal auto-tuned that's played in the chorus have a listen to this but of course the main part of the song is Madonna's heavily compressed vocal um, which sounds like this in isolation there are too many questions there is not one solution there is no resurrection there is so much confusion and the love profusion you make me feel you make me know what a great track what a great album but i am so excited about the next episode which will be going down the disco route as we talk about madonna's confessions on the dance floor don't forget to check out the website where you can become a patron and get that episode way before anybody else you can also offer a one-off donation if you want to say thank you for this podcast you don't have to but it's very much appreciated and another way to support the podcast is to buy some of the merchandise you can check that all out at insidethegroove.co.uk and don't forget, I'll be back soon. For now, goodbye. Goodbye.